it's Saturday morning. Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. On a little bit dreary Saturday morning, but uh, looks like it's going to be a great weekend. You know, little thunderstorms, you know, but we could use some more rain. I don't know if any of you have been out working your garden. I know you are because yesterday we were mobbed. Everybody's getting ready for this wonderful long weekend. Uh, the weather forecast kind of with thunderstorms and kind of a little unsettled weather. Customers were blowing into the garden center yesterday and purchasing material. Fall is here, folks. Whether you want to admit it or not, Labor Day weekend is the start of fall. It's just the time when we see a lot of summer folks who have summer homes are starting to think about packing up the summer home and heading back home. You know, a lot of people are leaving the state after this weekend. Uh, I hope you're not because September, in my opinion, is one of the best months of the year. You know, warm days, cool nights, uh, you know, 75, 80, 85 degrees, lower humidity, 40 degrees at night, fall color. Uh, the gardens are a little bit rough right now, though. You know, it's that dog days of summer, early fall. Things haven't quite shown their fall color yet, but just on the cusp of really showing their glory for fall. But yesterday we had a whole truckload of new material come into the Yarmouth store, uh, a bunch of grasses and hydrangeas and just a lot of really cool new fresh material for fall. The last two weeks we've been bringing in all of our fall material and it's been walking out the door as soon as we get off the truck. Uh, so if you have planting needs, don't hesitate, you know, come early, come often. Um, we are continuing to order periodically. Most all of our new material is going to the Armist store. It will not be going to Scarborough or Kennebunk, although they are available to ship to those stores. So if you visit the Yarmouth or, I mean, the Scarborough or Kennebunk store and you don't see something, ask the staff. Have them check to see if they have it in Yarmouth because we can ship it down. But due to the fact that those stores close sometime early, you know, October, we really only have about a month left of sales, so we can't continue to stock those stores. Where Yarmouth is open all the way through Christmas, we have a bigger sell period. So, you know, you will see that those stores, the selection will kind of start to dwindle a little bit. There will be some clearancing, you know, on certain items. Uh, but don't worry. You always have Yarmouth to back it up. So my suggestion is if you want the best selection, always travel to Yarmouth. It's the biggest store. It has the best selection. And right now it has the fresh material that's just arrived. Uh, not all that leftover stuff. Now, listen, it's a garden center. We do have stuff that's left over from the whole season. And a lot of those things are on special. And the new product is also on special. So, you know... Many different things to choose from, but the word for September is mum. Mum's the word, okay? Every year in August, I hate putting mums out for sale. I just hate it. It, it. To me, August is a summer month getting ready for fall, you know, doing the cleanup, making sure we have the space, uh, you know, taking away the dead material, starting to think about dividing, uh, you know, kind of getting ready for that fall push. Well, August is over, as far as I'm concerned anyways. Um, the mums have been flying off the shelf. They're starting to show color. Now, we always schedule our mums for hopefully the first week of September. 
you will see a lot of mums like we've talked about in past shows that are really showing a fair amount of color, maybe 25 to 45% open at this point. Be cautious about purchasing those. It doesn't hurt to purchase a few of those because then you'll have a nice color for probably the next two to three weeks. But if you want stuff for that's going to bloom and look really nice for, say, mid-September all the way into early October, buy mums that are cracking color or still have tight buds. And I know it's tough because you can't see the flower, but every single pot should have a, a tag with the color and the shape of the flower. So, you know, yeah, you're going to maybe be a little surprised because picture tags never exactly match up on the color, but they're going to last a lot longer. They're going to perform much better in your garden. So my suggestion is this weekend is think about the fall plantings you need. Think about maybe a few trees or shrubs you might want to put in and then start cleaning up all those perennials that are looking awful. I visited a customer's garden this week, and that was one of the major topics that we talked about was all the perennials that really have suffered over the last three to four weeks because we haven't had any rain, folks. So first off, I want you to go and water all of your gardens. Last week, I watered every single plant I own, and I will do so again this weekend. And the reason being is if I don't water it, we won't get any rain. It is the general rule of thumb in my world, in the garden center, you know, sometimes the staff will go, well, it's going to rain tomorrow, so we probably don't need to really run a lot of irrigation today, right? And I go, absolutely not. We water regardless of it raining. And the reason being is if we don't water, it doesn't rain. It's just Mother Nature's way of making us pay. You know, so it's really important that we get out and water. I can't stress it enough. But think about cutting back those perennials. Think about cleaning up some of your garden. And then that will give you some space to tuck in a few mums, maybe a little cabbage and kale, maybe an annual ornamental grass, or maybe some perennial ornamental grasses. Time to lift some of those clumps, divide them, maybe give a piece to your neighbor, you know, as a gift for the fall. Or maybe you have a friend that has a new home that wants to get their garden going. Maybe they're putting in some shrubs. Maybe you have some extra, you know, perennials. You might be able to give them a few clumps. It's a good way to kind of share in the community of gardening. You know, maybe there's a community project you might be able to donate them to, you know, in your town. So think about all of those things. Contact your garden clubs are a great way to kind of maybe they've got some fall planting projects and they could use some extra perennials if you're dividing this fall. So think about all of those things. It's that time. You know, looking in people's gardens right now, I just kind of go, eh, they're all right. There's not a lot of color there. It's that dog days of summer. The hydrangeas are amazing right now, you know, but most of the perennials, yeah, you know, there's some black-eyed Susans that look pretty good. That ganacea kind of passing bloom. Daylilies look really rough right now. You know, you could chop those right to the ground. Even some of the hosta are pretty rough. You could cut those back if you need to. But now's the time to start cleaning up. Add all that organic matter to your compost pile. Turn it over. You know, add the grass clippings. Add some soil 
as, as a soil inoculant for all those microbes. If you can add a bag of compost, you know, um, or a soil, um, a compost maker of some sort. And get that compost pile hot and going because, let's face it, in the next month or, or six weeks, you're going to have a lot of leaves that are going to fall off the trees. So if you can get that compost pile really activated and working now when you add all of that organic matter in the fall when you clean up, it's going to have a lot of microbes going, it's going to have a lot of heat, and you're going to break down and make a lot more compost. And if you have compost that's ready... Now's the time to start thinking about making and prepping some beds for fall planting or even next spring. If you're thinking about having a new vegetable garden next year, now is the time to start thinking about that. Prepping the beds, getting everything all squared away. Now we've talked time and time again. I was late this spring. This weekend I am tilling the new garden plot. Okay, I'm going to turn over the soil. I'm going to let it actually kind of die off and when I say new garden plot I'm saying half an acre (laughs) I'm not going to plant all of that but I'm going to prep that whole half an acre and get it turned over and get the weeds knocked down and I'm going to cover crop that whole area I'm not going to have that whole area to plant for my vegetable garden next year but I'm going to start to get the weed infestation down I'm going to start getting some organic matter into it I'm going to start, you know, prepping the soil and understanding what I need to do. I'm going to send a soil sample off to the state of Maine. If you want to do that this fall, stop into any of our garden centers. We have the kits. It's around $10. It'll give you more information than you ever want to know about soil. And then when you get the report back, you're going to look at it cross-eyed. And that's fine. Just come into the garden center. And we'll walk you through what's important out of that test. Okay, you're never going to get the fertilizer exactly what they recommend. You're never going to get the exact perfect situation. But what we're really going to look at is we're going to look at pH. We're going to look at organic matter. We're going to look at micronutrients. And we're going to fit the fertilizers and additives appropriately. Now that little micronutrient like boron and all those other things, we're not going to be so worried about that. If we change the pH, a lot of those things will become available. But bring that test in and we can prep your soil for next year, this fall. So think about sending off those tests now so that we're in great shape for next spring and ready to run. Last year I was ready to crawl. You know, but my vegetable garden is awesome right now. I mean, fresh, no real problems, just some weeds. That's the only thing that kind of, you know, we're lagging on a little bit. But the tomatoes look wonderful. We haven't had any problem in our garden with tomato blight of any sort. If you have, give me a call, 877-393-8255. Or if you have a question, Give me a call, 775-1310. We're here till 9 o'clock. We're going to have Lisa Colburn from the uh, the author of the Main Garden Journal today. So we'll be talking about her book. Uh, it's a really great book because it's about main gardening. And the reason why we started this show was we really found that most of the gardening shows and whatnot really weren't focused on main gardens. And that's the only focus I want for this show. 
I'm not taking it national. I'm not taking it anywhere else. We're talking to Maine gardeners. We're talking to Maine people. We're talking about the problems we have in Maine. We are a very diverse, you know, state, very large state, have, you know, a lot of, you know, different conditions, everything from the coast to the mountains, different zones. We have zone three, zone four, zone five, zone five A, you know, little microcosms or microclimates in many communities along the coast here that can get away with zone six plants. So Maine's a very diverse. We'll talk with Lisa about her book, you know, some of the things, how she researched for the book, um, you know, also her favorite plants. Hopefully she'll have some some knockout plants she really likes. And, you know, where you can purchase the book, it's, it's a great read. Um, I read a bunch of excerpts out of it and have, you know, used it throughout, um, you know, time here. Uh, and... It really has some interesting takes from real Maine gardeners. Over 120 gardeners she worked with on this book with feedbacks and surveys and getting, you know, good information. So we'll look forward to talking with Lisa a little bit later. But right now, the ornamental grasses are amazing. It's ornamental grass time. So if your garden is kind of lacking a little bit, Think about coming in and, ta- and and purchasing a few ornamental grasses. They always come on this time of year right as all the flowers are kind of, you know, kind of waning a little bit. You know, your annuals probably still look pretty good. Uh, but the perennials, you know, a lot of them were cutting back, were making space. But those ornamental grasses, they're just starting to plume. They're waving in the air. You know, beautiful little bit of dew on them first thing in the morning. And the fall plumes last right through into November and October, October, November. So think about adding those. We've got a question here, and this question is, My Rosa Sharon has buds, but they never open. They turn brown and split open. Am I doing something wrong? I get good flowers all over the plant. Is there something I should know about these flowers and why they're not opening? Well, this is a great question because we see this every year. Um, Rosa Sharon are in their glory. They're another one that adding this time of year give you that late summer color in, you know, whites, pinks, lavenders, blues, um, you know, striking colors. If you have an area around a patio or an area around a pool, they're a great upright plant. Don't take up a lot of space. Um, You know, good accent. But basically what you're seeing is the seed pod. Okay. So what's happening is the plant is going by and it's setting seeds. And that seed pod is opening up and dropping the seeds at the base. And you're probably finding that around that Rose of Sharon, you're starting to get all kinds of little sucker plants. And that's from the seeds dropping onto the ground. So you're really doing nothing wrong. The plant's flowering well. It's looking good. But you've got seed pods all of it. So if you want the Rose of Sharon to bloom a little bit longer, pluck those seed pods off. And it will continue to set some flower buds throughout the late fall. Setting seed on Rosa Sharon isn't necessarily a bad thing, though. It tells the plant, it's time for me to go dormant. So if you have had problems with Rosa Sharon dying back, or you've had problems with it not wintering well for you, my suggestion is let it go to seed. It has done its whole cycle and the plant will start to put its energy back into the root system and do much better. 
So those little seed pods, you can pick them off if you don't. I like them on the plant. I think they have nice winter interest. You know, that little star-shaped seed pod kind of sits on there all winter. The birds actually will come and they will feed on some of that also, you know, throughout the winter months, I've found. So you're doing nothing wrong. You're getting good blossom. It's just a seed pod. So nothing to be concerned about. You know, sometimes if we have a lot of rain in the fall, you will see that they will have some rotting issues, but not a major problem, okay? So... No worries on that. No worries on that. Okay? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine at maineigc.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen. But what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. back to the joy of gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and this is a call-in show. Call 775-1310 if you have any questions. That's 775-1310. You are also streaming live at wlobradio.com, and you can pick up the podcast at estabrooksonline.com. 
A lot of good things going on in the garden right now. It's kind of that middle of the, you know, end of the season here. Um, a lot of plants going by, a lot of cleanup. But let's talk a little bit more, more about ornamental grasses because I can't stress them enough. They're one of my favorite things in the garden, and I will be adding more and more and more to my garden. The new varieties that have come out are really, really great. All different types of sizes. You don't have to think about ornamental grasses as being these big, huge things. We have a lot of dwarf grasses now that will fit in very small spaces. So, you know, we've got one called Little Bunny and a new one this year called Burgundy Bunny, which has little burgundy leaves on it with a small little plume. We've got Little Zebra instead of the old-fashioned zebra grass that got huge. Now we have Little Zebra which is a dwarf form. So a lot of the new grasses that are coming on are shorter, smaller, tighter. I worked with a customer in the yard yesterday, and we mixed in some grasses on a bank with some junipers and contoniaster and some other plants. And they were going to have a real nice, and some ground covers, you know, really going to have a nice mix on this banking as they enter their driveway. And I thought to myself, wow, what a great plant for mass plantings, you know, and filling in some of those areas. So we use Little Bunny. I think it's a really great plant. Hameln is another one that is smaller, three to four feet, beautiful small plumes. But ornamental grasses give us texture all summer also. They, they really, really show up nicely in the garden later on in the season. Now, early spring, they're not going to really show a lot of their glory. But I want to make sure that you give them enough space because they do get large. Now, my favorite grass is Miscanthus floridus. Okay, I have three of them in my front yard right now. They haven't quite started to plume yet, but they're six to seven feet tall and about three to four feet wide right now. And great big beautiful plumes here showing up in the next few weeks. But just an enormous grass. And I would recommend that one for screening. That's what I've used it for. I've got a home in front of us. And I've got three of them and it kind of screens, you know, a little bit. Now for a summer screen, they're wonderful. You're not going to have a lot of coverage in the winter, obviously. And you're not going to have a lot of coverage early season. But once you get to June, July, August, and September, the months where we use our outdoor spaces the most, it's a great screen. Great fall and early winter interest, but a big grower, slightly arching, uh, just kind of waves in the wind, no staking required, but a big grower. Give it a 6 by 6 area for one plant. Okay? Big space. It's a great one, easy to divide down the road and make other clumps and gardens, but a wonderful accent this time of year. But what I wanted to bring to attention is with ornamental grasses, they cannot dry out during the summer months. Mine got a little bit dry in the last month. And so I've got a little bit of browning at the at the base. It's okay because I have other plants planted around it. And I've just added some new perennials also around the grasses. But I caught it in time. 
But Miscanthus Floridus, check it out on our website, estabrooksonline.com. Great, big, huge plant. Now, the plants we have don't look great this time of year. So if you come into the garden center, it's very tough to keep them wet in a pot. They come in a five-gallon pot. They don't come in any smaller sizes because it's a big, big grower. If you come into the garden center and we have some, don't be alarmed if they're cut back right now. If they don't, you know, they've got two feet of foliage. They will be that big next year, I promise. But a lot of them we've cut off in the last few weeks because we couldn't keep enough moisture in the root system. And if we didn't and they're all brown, just ask the staff to cut them off and for easy ease of transport. You can just cut all the foliage off, put them in your car, take them home and plant them. At this time of year, don't hesitate to buy perennials and other plants that are cut back. And the reason being is we've done that and taken away the growth that has gone by as a positive, not a negative. We're trying to take away the the growth that might rot and add disease to the plants. So you come into the garden center and you might see Achillea or Yarrows are all cut back right now. And the reason we did that is because all of the foliage is starting to go dormant. And so we cut it off to rejuvenate growth from the base. And in two or three weeks, they'll all look beautiful again. So many plants get cut back in July and August in the garden center in order to reflush new growth and make bulk up the crowns of the plants for next year. So a lot of those spring plants, a lot of times they will kind of go by, we'll cut them back, and then they rejuvenate for fall. So if you come into the garden center, it's not a concern. Okay, a lot of these plants have either gone dormant or we're rejuvenating them for fall or next year. So fall is a great time to start prepping. And one thing is if you're not going to do any dividing and you're not going to do any type of extra, you know, work in your garden, something you might consider is doing a good weeding. And then you may also consider mulching your beds in the fall instead of spring. It's a good way to actually get ahead for the following year. Now, if you put fresh bark mulch down in the fall, number one, it may streamline what you have to do in the spring and take all of that work out. Now, will the mulch fade over the winter? Of course it will. But in the spring, what you do is you just go out and you re-rake up all of the mulch and you fluff it. Okay? And it will look almost just like brand new. Because over the winter months, you're going to be covered with snow, and we're not going to have that much sunlight. Now, will it look exactly like brand new mulch? No. But if you have an area that is in the backyard or some areas that aren't as focal, it might be a good way to get things out of the way for the following year. Or add some Nutri-Mulch or compost on top. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about Nutri-Mulch and compost using as a mulch or a top dressing because we've run into this a few times this year. If your garden is not clean of weeds and you add a feeding mulch of some sort, whether it be compost or a Nutri-Mulch or some sort of mixture on top, you're not only feeding your plants, but you're feeding the roots. And so you will get extra weed growth. So it's important that if you can get the garden as clean as possible before you put those products down, you will have less of a weed problem. 
but if you don't, if you just clean it up and think that you're going to put a, a nice layer over the top and it's going to kill those weeds, it's not. It's actually going to feed them. And you're going to you know, actually have a better situation for the weeds to grow. So if you're putting down you know, mulch and whatnot this fall, be cautious about making sure it's clean and the weeds are under control. Right now, all the weeds are throwing seeds for next year. If you can get those plants out of your garden before they set seed and throw seed, you're getting rid of a lot of the weeds for next year. Okay. If you have a question, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen, but what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. On it looks like a better and better Saturday morning out the window here at the radio station this morning. Looks like a great gardening weekend, folks. Okay, overcast, some chance of showers, uh, you know, moderate temperatures in the 80s. Humidity is going to be a little bit up there. But let's face it, with these cool nights, we're getting plenty of rest. So great gardening weekend. We saw wonderful traffic yesterday in the garden center. My nursery manager, Jim, is on vacation. So I had been working in the garden center uh, out in the yard this week. And, man, customers are excited about fall. You know, a lot of, of interesting projects, people coming in with plans, you know, that they've been working on all summer and finally starting to implement. They've been building beds and you know, really doing a lot of work to get ready for fall planting. And, you know, now is the time when that is, it's it's go time. You know, the month of September is fall planting. It's the best time to plant, in my opinion. I have at least three trees I'm going to put in the next week or two. And I've got some other plans for moving some, some plants around the yard. So 
I do most of my gardening in the fall. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk today with Lisa Colburn, author of The Main Garden Journal. And uh, Lisa, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Uh, you for having me. Absolutely. So my theme for the radio show has been I wanted to do a radio show for Maine gardeners. And it fits really, really well with your vision of this book, correct? Absolutely. It's all about Maine gardening. It's a special, special place, isn't it? You're telling me. There's, <laughs> there's a whole range of gardening adventures from the top of the state way up in Port Kent all the way down to York. Yeah, we have a, a whole microcosm of, of different microclimates within the state. You know, even within some of our colder zones, there are these little microclimates where customers can get away with things that others can't. And uh, so tell me a little bit about why did you write this book? Well, I spent most of my life in extremely northern Maine, way up in the St. John Valley, a little town called Senegat, um, and Zone 3. And about 13 years ago, I moved to Orono, uh, the center of the state, initially to go back to college later in life, Mm -hmm. and um, started gardening in Zone 5. So it was quite a range. I knew that it could uh, really increase the, uh, the number of plants I could grow, it just took a long time um, to figure out um, a lot of things. Um, I, um, when I was in extremely northern Maine, I knew where the best little garden centers were. I knew where to get soil and mulch that was well-priced and, and good quality. Mm-hmm. I had a whole uh, bunch of gardening friends I could r- rely on, um, kindred spirits. Absolutely. And, and then, when I moved to Orono, it just took a long time to figure that all out. And I ended up um, buying soil that was less than I knew I had paid for. Mm-hmm. I bought mulch that had ground-up tires in it. <laughs> oh, um, boy. And it took me a long time to find the garden centers with the very special plants. Um, and it just... Um, the kindred spirits uh, weren't there. I, it took me a long time to find those fellow gardeners that were uh, wild and crazy about gardening. Mm-hmm. And I figured it can't be this hard. Yeah, I mean, northern Maine, you'd have to stick together. You know, uh, you know. obviously you would learn a lot of tricks, you know, of what would work, what wouldn't, you know. And then when you move a little bit more south, let's face it, I mean, a whole nother door opens. There's a whole nother list of plants. And, exactly. you know, when you get into those groups like garden clubs and people who are passionate about gardening, it's it's just the wealth of knowledge is amazing. It is. It is. And I've, uh, along the way, met a lot of uh, people who share my interest in gardening um, and don't think I'm um, a wild and crazy person for planting most of my property and el- eliminating all of m- almost all of my lawn. You're um, a garden center uh, owner's dream. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> they and love people like me when, when I walk in. Grass yes. is the number one plant we sell. You know, grass? Be- because, yeah, it is. Because, you know, you buy a bag and there's thousands of seeds in a bag. Okay, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> but right. it's not the most attractive grass. For most people, you know, plant for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it enhances the landscape. It increases property value. Um, it just does so much for the soul, even, mm-hmm. uh, to have those things around your home. 
So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about you had over a hundred and twenty people or so that you you basically worked on getting a lot of information for this book. Exactly. I'm an avid gardener, but um, I'm not an expert. And I knew that there were um, avid gardeners throughout the state who had a lot of experience. So um, I started off by sending out press releases to um, garden-related publications. The uh, Garden Club Federation of Maine has a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association has a newsletter. And I sent out press releases to... um, newsletters, uh, newspapers across the state, and asked people if they were uh, avid gardeners, experienced gardeners who were willing to share that information to contact me. And at that point, I sent them a survey. And this was not simply a check-off-the-box kind of survey. This was fill-in-the-blank. And it was 13 pages long. And if you're like a lot of people and you get something that extensive, you sort of file it in in the trash. Um, But (laughs) people were excited about participating. They had asked to participate. And if you know anything about research, uh, you know that you look at response rates. Mm -hmm. Well, I had almost 100% response rates. That's an amazing survey. (laughs) Exactly. People were uh, enthusiastic. Many of them were thanking me. I've been wanting to tell people this for years, mm-hmm. they were saying. Um, some folks stapled extra pages. They um, wrote in the margins. They sent me photos. A few people even corrected my spelling. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen, uh, yes. Yeah. But anyway, what I was asking them was, um, what are the trees that you grow on your property? And I didn't want to supply them with any um, a list of trees to choose from. I wanted them to self-report that information. And uh, what are the shrubs, perennials, annuals? I asked them about um, the wow plants they had. Mm-hmm. I asked them about if they were using uh, tropical plants. What types of fall bulbs did they put in? I even asked them about house plants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got a wealth of information as far as uh, plants. But I also wanted to know um, where they purchased things, what types of uh, garden products they were using, uh, pesticides, insecticides, mm-hmm. uh, soil additives, um, what organizations did they belong to. Um, so it's just a whirlwind tour about gardening in Maine. That's a, a wealth of knowledge that you asked for. I mean, you know, just to get that survey in that response rate is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then to be able to compile all of that and put it into a manual, basically, because, you know, the journal is just full of information that I've, I found really, really interesting. Um, you know, tell me a, a little bit about, you know, um, the size of Maine and how diverse and what type of difference you saw in answers from, say, up in Fort Kent to southern Maine. I mean, there must have been just some real distinct things that came out in that survey. Right. Well, if you look at um, the state of Maine, it's huge. uh, And there's a whole range of uh, zones. Um, And zones are, I'm sure you've discussed with a lot of your listeners uh, what that means as far as uh, average low temperatures. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're from zone 3B all the way down to 6A now with the new zone charts. And so... A lot of things also rely on 
snow cover. Mm -hmm. So many times there are people way up in Fort Kent that can stretch the limit a little bit for a lot of perennials, herbaceous perennials that die down to the ground because they have reliable snow cover. Mm -hmm. So that creates insulation. Um, And in southern Maine, sometimes... um, even though a plant is supposed to grow in your area, if you have a windswept site with no snow cover, um, perhaps despite the fact that you're considered a zone 5, those plants will struggle because they don't have the insulating snow on top of them. Yeah, open winters can always be a problem, you know, in the middle southern part of the state with loss of perennials and, and also some of your tender shrubs, you know, it, that, that insulation can really, really help, you know, with overwintering of, of those marginal plants. Exactly. Some things like forsythia um, in northern Maine, I could grow forsythia, but everything above the snow line was just leaves. I wouldn't get flowers. Um, When I moved to Orono, the first thing I did was put in a forsythia because I could see them throughout the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And, of course, now I'm in Zone 5, and that plant did well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also probably one of the most tortured plants I've seen in this area because (laughs) sometimes it's sheared into very unusual shapes. And it's really a very large shrub that needs to be able to have the room to have that um, the branches so the branches stretch out and it's a beautiful vase shaped shrub yeah i always tell i always tell customers you know pruning is up to the customer and the eye of the customer Ah. what looks good because to us as plant people we like the natural habit of plants Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. I like something that's shapely, you know, but I tend to prune more for its natural shape. So when I prune, I prune at the time of year where it's going to flush out and get its natural shape, where a lot of people will prune late fall and they get to look at a nice lollipop all winter. Mm. And that's not great to me. I don't like that. But, you know, everybody's yard is different and everybody's yard, you know, and how they like the look of it is different. Personally, exactly. I'm not a I'm not a head shear guy. I'm a hand pruner guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it comes down to right plant, right place as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Lisa, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. 
At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrooks, and we are talking with Lisa Colburn, author of the Maine Garden Journal. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you. So we were kind of wrapping up with the size of Maine and how the diverse conditions of Maine. And let's talk a little bit about your favorite plants. What The things you, in your gardening career, you've found that do very well for you. You haven't had a lot of problems. And then maybe some things that you've learned to make some plants that aren't so easy work. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> um, well, some of my favorite plants are hydrangeas. I have plenty of them in my yard. They grow throughout the state of Maine. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a wide variety of leaf sizes and, and shapes and flower colors and flower uh, shapes. It's an extremely long-lived plant, relatively carefree, almost um, totally pest-free. Yeah, we don't um, see a lot of, lot of problems with hydrangeas and, you know, pests. Once in a while, an aphid. But other than that, really, not, not many problems. Exactly. Um, and they, there are some, you know, it's often touted as a shade plant when you read a lot of garden magazines. But shade is relative. In the state of Maine, you can grow <laughs> hydrangeas in full sun, and in fact, they prefer full sun in the state of Maine. Um, yeah, we just don't have the heat and humidity like the southern states. So, you know, it, by doing a book like this, you know, Maine's just a different area. We can get away with a lot of things in full sun that in southern states, just with the heat and humidity, they can't do. Exactly. And we have to keep that in mind when we're looking at a lot of the gardening books out there right now. Um, they don't have the same experiences. Um, as far as, uh, I guess I'm... Um, I feel very passionate about fall bulbs, mm-hmm. and uh, any time now I'm going to be putting in a whole bunch of tulips and allium. Mm-hmm. Uh, allium, one of my favorite. Mm, yes, and unfortunately a lot of people um, aren't planting that. It's very reliable, comes back for years and years, longer lived than tulips oftentimes in our area, mm-hmm. and there's, uh, they're a wow plant. They get attention. Yeah, and and the seed pods are really great on them also. So, long, you know, you have a lot of interest even after they're done blooming. Exactly. I still have the seed pods. Uh, these I One of my favorite allium is called Ambassador, and it has a huge softball-sized head. 
Um, and it's uh, the plant is probably two and a half to three feet tall. Some of them in, in some areas uh, probably almost close to four feet in my yard. And the seed heads are still hovering above everything right now. They're a conversation piece. They've lost their purple little flowers. Um, and one of the contributors to the book had an interesting thing that he told me he does with these seed heads. Long after the flowers have fallen off, um, he spray paints the seed heads. Mm-hmm. So he, he spray paints them different colors, purple, white, and he says he's had people stopping their cars to go take a look at what he has growing in his garden. So it's a conversation piece all summer long. Well, it's interesting you say that because I have a friend that does the same thing with the stilby blossoms after they go by. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so, you know, if it's a bright pink astilbe, they have that flower that comes up, and then they spray paint it bright pink. And all the rest of the summer, it looks like his astilbes are in bloom all summer. And, you know, he has white ones he paints white. And, he, and periodically, you know, he just takes a can of spray paint after they brown up and they're all dry, and he just, you know, puts a nice piece of newspaper around the foliage, and he mm-hmm. spray paints those flowers, and it really does. I came over to the house and I went, wow, how do you have these in bloom in midsummer? And then I kind of looked at them closer and I went, oh, something's really uh-huh. off on this. You know, there was a little bit of paint on the foliage, but that is an excellent tip on some of those drying flowers. Yes. Yeah. Keep them going all summer long. Yeah. And for other gardeners, they they just can't help but stop and look. It got your attention, didn't it? Definitely, you know, and it was probably about 15 feet away when I first kind of went, whoa, something's not right. And so, of course, I headed right over there and kind of knelt down, and I went, ah, oh, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I kind of go, this really isn't right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but But they looked wonderful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, some of the other plants I've got to tell you about, I like extremely large-leafed plants. Mm. And a few that I grow are, uh, I do grow in shade in a wet area. Um, one is, and I don't know a common name for this, perhaps you can help me. Mm-hmm. I call it Astelboides tabularis. Oh, boy, I love that plant. It's great big leaf. I don't have a common name. Uh, you know, we have it on our, our website, um, so I'll see if we can look it up right now. Um, Asterboides. Uh, it's a great, great plant. We usually only have them early spring, but love the foliage. An underused plant, I think. It is, and it sort of looks like a lily pad leaf because the stem is right in the middle of that leaf. And I've had leaves as large as three feet around. Mm. It's, uh, it really gets attention. Um, another one that I have not too far away from it is a regersia. Mm. And this is a duck's foot regersia. And um, it's, the, the leaves look fabulous all summer long. They have sort of a reddish cast to them. Um, the flowers on both of those plants are insignificant. I'm not growing it for flowers. I'm growing it for those uh, leaves that are conversation starters. So, um, And then, in addition, I grow an annual called castor beans, and I think mm. a lot of people are familiar with that. Uh, it's a very poisonous plant. You want to be careful if you have children or pets that might be chomping on it. Um, but it's a huge plant, and it's... Um, a very interesting uh, seed pods, and um, it won't. It's 
definitely it's an annual. It mm. won't make it through the winter around here. But you can save your own seed and keep it going. Yeah, it's an easy one to grow from seed. It is. It's sort of a jack-in-the-beanstalk kind of uh, experience because you start with a seed in the spring, and by fall I have some that are seven or eight feet tall. So it gets attention again. Yeah, it's just, a, you know, and one of those plants, we don't sell actually started plants. We mm. sell the seed because it's so easy. It is, yes. And I think a lot of people overlook that one. Okay, Lisa, um, we got about a minute, and then we're going to take a, a, a break here at the end of the first hour, and we'll bring you back. Um, so just give me one more plant that, that uh, before the break here. Uh, hens and chicks is a plant I collect. Old-fashioned, but some great new varieties. Absolutely, yes. And the flowers look like they come from outer space. Absolutely. You know, hens and chicks are an old-fashioned plant. You see them around a lot of the old farmhouses. Lisa, we're going to bring you back after the break here. I just wanted to finish up the first hour because, obviously, you know, a lot of things, you know, and, and this book really encompasses Maine, and that's what we're trying to do with this show, you know, and we're, we're here to answer your questions. We're here to, you know, make sure that you have an outlet to be able to, to understand and get tips on how to garden here in Maine. It's a different world. If you move from out of state, it's a completely different world here in southern Maine. If you move from southern Maine into northern Maine, your choices are different. You have to treat things different. Soils are different in many different parts of the state. In our Yarmouth store alone, at the top of the hill by the street, it is sandy soil. In the middle of the property, it is nice loam. And in the bottom of the property, it's complete clay. So just in three or 400 feet, a complete difference. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And this morning we are talking with Lisa Colburn, author of the Maine Garden Journal. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you. So we were talking about hens and chicks before the break. And, you know, this has kind of been an area that, you know, they're just low maintenance. They're easy. And there's all kinds of new interesting varieties. There are. It's a, a plant that's captured my attention because of that. Um, I have even started some from seed. Mm -hmm. I collect the seed heads and um, put them upside down in a bag until the seeds, uh, the seed heads dry up and the seeds fall out. And at that point, I um, save the seed in the refrigerator in an envelope through the winter. And then when I'm starting all of my other plants in the spring, I sprinkle the seed, which looks almost like dust, mm -hmm. right on the top of the soil. And it's sort of like um, growing dust, really. It, when they start germinating, they are just little tiny green dots. And then I nev never know what's going to happen. Um, but, yes, there are some wonderful new varieties out there, some with different colors, different sizes, uh, some of the spider web t 
type forms. Yeah, I like cobweb is just a great little variety. It's become very common now. Um, We've been carrying it for a few years. Um, You know, with hens and chicks, they do not like irrigation in the garden center. They're they're a set-it-and-forget-it type plant. So we tend not to stock a lot of them and bring in small amounts all the time because on the bench in the garden center, they don't do well because they want to be neglected. And Mm -hmm. with our irrigation and whatnot, they tend not to do well in a pot. So in the ground, they're kind of set-it-and-forget-it type plant, aren't they? Exactly. Uh, but one thing I've found as well is they don't like to have what I call wet necks. Mm. So what I do, in, uh, it's not a plant you want to mulch with regular bark mulch. Um, I use a uh, pea stone or uh, very, you know, gravel type of mm-hmm. uh, mulch to uh, cover the soil. It has a nice, neat look. Um, and those uh, plants like to stay dry, and the roots do go down quite deep to your soil bed below. Mm-hmm. So, and and with the pea stone, you you get a lot of aeration in around those stems, and you know that's a great great tip. Mm. So, uh, I also in the same beds like to put in some of the sedums. There's a lot of different ones right now as well. Uh, large ones, small ones, some that just crawl across the ground, some that are taller, but um, it's a good companion. Yeah, there's a new one this year that we just grew, Dazzler Berry. And mm. that one really, really sold well for us this year. Um, it's going to be one we're going to continue to carry. We added a whole new line of sedum, and they look amazing right now. Um, the thing about sedum is there's been a lot of genetics that have come out uh, with variegated and purple foliage and different flower types, different heights, low spreading. But sedum should be a staple in everyone's garden because it's no maintenance, very little disease or insect problems, just an easy plant. Yes. I think of uh, Autumn Joy, the good, the, one of the first on the market that was very popular. And it, that plant looks great all summer long. Mm-hmm. When it starts growing, it sort of looks like broccoli heads in the garden. Absolutely. And uh, right now they're starting to color up, and uh, it's just a you, it's a plant you want to have in the fall garden for sure. Yeah, the other year. the other two varieties that we carry are autumn fire, which is a darker darker flower, mm-hmm. and then brilliant, which is a bright bright pink. And both of those same habit, same look. Uh, you know those big broccoli heads throughout the summer, and then the, the the just absolute you know glory this time of year in September, where it's got the flower and the flower seed pod kind of dries up and looks nice with the, a fall texture of grasses and, and other plants in your yard. Exactly. That's another seed head we might consider spray painting when the flowers change color. That that one might look a little odd when everything drops its leaves, though. Absolutely. (laughs) It'll be neon out there in the garden, you know. Maybe some fluorescent paint might be interesting, too. (laughs) Yeah, for Halloween. Absolutely. There you go. I mean, you know, that's one thing that I, I love to say. You can do anything in the garden. It's up to your interpretation, what you want, what you want to make of it. You know, it's creative and exciting. You know, you get to build the look you want, which is great here in the state of Maine. Yes. I think of it as well as a creative art. Uh, people spend a lot of time decorating inside their homes, placing furniture, the right furniture in the right room, the right wall color, uh, creating an atmosphere inside their home. Gardening is doing the same thing outside. 
Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, I like to t- say your outdoor landscape is your outdoor room and exactly. how you decorate it and how you create the space. You know, uh, a lot of people will talk about patios and, and decks and, and, you know, outdoor kitchens as their outdoor room. But if you don't have the accents and the plants, it just doesn't come together, does it? Absolutely, yes. It's part of the decor. Part of the decor. That I mean, you have to think of, you know, shrubs, um, hedges as the walls of your garden, the trees overhead as part of the ceiling, um, lawn, um, you know, as, as well as the, the decks and, and whatnot can be the floor. But, uh, I mean, just like we put different types of carpeting in our homes, we can put different types of ground covers as well. It enhances the entire look. So what's your thoughts on the fact we haven't had much of any rain? Have you had much rain in your neck of the woods? Uh, we haven't, and it looks like we might be having sort of a gray weekend. It's, uh, it, was, it rained overnight here, and it looks like it's, it's overcast, and it's going to be a drippy day uh, throughout the day, and I'm very pleased. <laughs> yeah. It saves a lot of work. I'm not going to have to be out there uh, watering my garden. Yeah, I mean, here in, in the Portland area right now, it, high clouds, sun's breaking through. Doesn't look like there's any storm clouds out there right now. And, but you're in the middle kind of the part of the state. So, you know, coming through the mountains, you must get some, some showers periodically. Right. But it, I think the last few weeks have been dry. Um, but at that, we're, I'm a vegetable gardener as well. Mm. So it was a good time to pull up the onions and, and do some cleanup in the vegetable garden and, and get ready to plant other things as well. I, it's still time to put in some lettuce and uh, some of the fall crops. Uh, I want to make sure I'm, I even plant some more carrots that I'm mm-hmm. hoping to overwinter in a greenhouse. So, uh, you know, this time of year, do you start cutting back some of your perennials and kind of, you know, cleaning up the garden and getting rid of some of that waste and putting in the compost pile? Well, there's different strategies to that. Mm-hmm. Um, in my vegetable garden, I do. Okay. Um, I do take all of the, the tops of, the, you know, the, the pumpkin plants that might get hit by frost in, the, in a bit here mm-hmm. and um, all of those things that have died down and are stopped producing, I do put in a compost bin. But uh, around the front of my yard with my landscaping, um, I do that less and less every year. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I believe that when things die down, they're providing some protection to my plants, okay. to a lot of my perennials. So, you know, some of the grasses I, I cut back because I think they're pretty sturdy. But for some of those plants that are um, sort of questionably hardy, I just let the tops die down for protection. And kind of leave those crowns covered up and, and then in the spring kind of come in and clean up, you know, fairly early? Or what time of year do you get in in the spring? Oh, I get in there as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm raring to go in the spring. So <laughs> it's there a might long winter. <laughs> yes, there might be piles of snow around the edge of the yard, but I'm out there. Okay, okay. Um, you know, give some gardeners kind of a, a tip, you know, that for this fall as far as dividing and, you know, uh, most people can start here in southern Maine anytime now. Um, any particular plants you've found that really divide well in the fall or, or ones that do not? Um, I think you have to keep an eye on those that start growing very early in the spring. Um, you want to take a look at this time of the year when they're uh, just sort of sitting there not doing a whole lot. 
One that comes to mind is iris. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fantastic time to start digging up your iris. They tend to get very crowded uh, if, when you've had them in the same place for a few years, and before you know it, they're starting to flower uh, less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a good time to dig them up and um, start breaking them apart and replanting them and give some away to friends if need be. But um, in the springtime, you really don't want to tackle iris because they're putting on that fresh new growth and you don't want to damage that. Absolutely. You know, my rule of thumb on iris is if the clump is not blooming well, you know it's time to divide and fall is a perfect time. Peonies are another one, aren't they? Absolutely. And a lot of, uh, if you do any mail order with peonies, you know they don't even want to ship the rest of the year. Everyone is dividing peonies in the fall. Mm -hmm. This is the time to do it. And you get um, a root system. It's now the time to to cut them back, especially if if you've had any problems with um, funguses on your peonies. You don't want to allow that uh, foliage to die down and stay there in the same spot. So peonies are one I like cutting back, and if I want to divide them, it's amazing how just a little piece of root can turn into a big plant by the next spring. Yeah, the better your soil with peonies, the more they multiply and divide. And a long-lived perennial, one you don't have to divide unless you really want to. Absolutely. I have people uh, told me stories, people who contributed to the book, told me about buying a piece of property and um, noticing that in part of the lawn there was a different type of foliage coming up. They realized it was a peony, a peony that had been mowed down for years and years and years. They let it grow, and that peony bloomed that first year. Now, that's one tough plant. They are a resilient plant, a staple of main gardening throughout the whole entire state. Just a tough, but I like your tip of taking away that foliage if you've had some fungus issues and not letting them die down. I, I th- Our biggest problem is botrytis and some of these blights on the blossoms, and more and more with our wet springs, customers seem to be having a lot more problems with peonies, which typically are a very bulletproof plant. They just come up, they look good, they bloom well, and then they kind of have nice foliage all summer. But taking that foliage away at this time of year when they're starting to wither and getting that out of the garden, I think that's my biggest tip to folks is start early and start often. In the southern part of the state, we can get away with taking back your daylilies now because they don't look good and kind of some of those things. And it's great feedback for the middle, upper part of the state. You know, we want to be cautious and maybe leave some of that foliage a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While we're talking about peonies, let me mention another tip as well. Mm-hmm. Um, peonies don't like being buried very deeply. And I think sometimes people put too much mulch around their peonies and um, are wondering how come they're not getting flowers. Peonies react um, sort of negatively to too much mulch. I believe that their roots have to be right next to the surface of the soil. It's very important. You know, we primarily only sell peonies in pots in the spring. And peonies that are blooming in the container, it's really important that people understand you do not want to plant those deeper than they are. They are planted at the proper height in the container. And if you bury peonies two inches too deep, they stop blooming. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if you have a clump that just stops blooming, you might need to raise that clump. 
So if you're, you've been having problems and you do mulch a fair amount, you may want to actually just dig that clump up and move it up two or three inches and kind of crown that plant and pull some of the bark mulch off, and you may find that that will start blooming again also. You're exactly right. Yeah. I think that's a good tip for rhododendrons as well. I, they don't like um, being in a very wet environment. They like good drainage, and I think sometimes people um, don't realize that they can probably plant those rhododendrons up just a little bit to make sure that there's some drainage, almost mound the soil up under them and raise them up off, uh, above other plants in their garden. Yeah, we definitely find that the biggest problem customers have is planting plants in general too deep. Now, there are some that you do, but very few trees and shrubs and perennials like to be buried deep, deep, deep. Um, you know, And as we are, add more organic matter and bark mulch on top, periodically we should really strip some of that off and discard that, add it to a compost or, or use it in the woodland. And, you know, most people don't ever strip bark mulch off their gardens. And that can create a, a big problem long term. Exactly. And I, sometimes with trees as well. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on volcano mulching, as it's called? It's terrible. You know, you go to all these malls and, and these areas in, you know, condo complexes, and all you see is this nice little volcano of mulch. And, you know, you've got this beautiful tree coming out of the middle of it. And all that does is it suffocates the root system, and it rots the bark on the tree. And, you know, a 20-year-old tree can sustain a lot of things, but one thing it can't sustain is its bark rotting. And, you know, if you impede that xylem and phloem that gets all the nutrients to the leaves, it just creates a situation where the bark sinks and then the tree crashes. And the first sign I always tell people to look for with plants being buried too deep or too much mulch is you have premature fall color. And, you know, this is the time of year. If your trees are starting to turn color, you either got really water stressed or you've got something else going on that's stressing it. And usually plant depth is one of the first things that that, uh, show those signs. Yes. And I think years ago, too, they used to, when trees were planted, the bald and burlap trees um, were oftentimes they left that burlap on mm-hmm. and they're realizing now that sometimes that's not the, the right way to do it. Yeah, what we recommend is you take that wire basket and you make sure the top of the wire basket is gone. We want to leave the bottom wire of the wire basket just because it helps keep that root ball intact. But then remove, you know, a third to half of that burlap and let those top roots go right out over the top. Because most trees don't have roots way down in the bottom of the root ball. They're in the upper third, and they will go right horizontal. And then they also will work through the burlap. Um, you know, And you want to know whether it's treated burlap that's on the tree or natural burlap. Natural burlap will break down and rot away in the soil much quicker. And you, know, you, will, you won't impede roots as much. Exactly. Well, Lisa, this has been absolutely wonderful. I hope we can have you back. But before we go, let's tell tell the customers where where you know they can purchase your book because I think that's important. Okay. Well, bookstores throughout the state of Maine are carrying my book. Mm-hmm. Um, people can go to my website, which is mainegardenjournal.com, dot com, and take a look at um, the buy the book link, and it lists stores from extremely northern Maine. Uh, all the way to the southern part of the state. If they don't have the opportunity to go to a bookstore, they can also order the book um, 
on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. and don't hesitate to call your local bookstore because they can ship it to you as well. Yeah, I would say call your local bookstore and see if they can buy it for you. Let's support Absolutely. those local bookstores as yes. best we can. But let's face it, with all of the technology, Amazon and whatnot, it's just convenient to click, click, click. But the local bookstores certainly go in, ask you know uh, any of your local bookstores and support them as much as possible. We'd love to support local business as, as I'm a local business. Yes, and if they don't have it in stock, um, they can order it um, and get it for you within a few days. Perfect. Lisa Colburn, author of the Maine Garden Journal. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate the interview. Thank you for having me. All right. We're going to be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen but what are you really getting scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden august bargain days at estabrooks features big beautiful and healthy plants that have been cared for and in many cases grown by the talented staff all at a fraction of the price all plants are now 20 to 75 percent off at estabrooks in yarmouth scarborough and kennebunk see the difference in save big today to learn more visit estabrooksonline.com estabrooks for the joy of gardening Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, Its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutrimulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. And what a great interview um, with Lisa Colburn, author of the Maine Journal, um, Maine Gardening Journal. 
I would recommend you pick up that book. Go to your local bookstore, um, check it out. There's a lot of good excerpts on the website too. Um, f- you know, from the book that and and uh, you know different people that were involved in the book. Uh, you know, really good main information. Um, you know, quite simple, uh, concise information. Uh, you know, kind of like what we're trying to do here for for the Garden Show um, on the radio here. Um, just. Maine's a different place. As I have conversations many, many times with customers that are moving in from out of state and are just kind of lost on where to start in gardening in Maine. Number one, we have a very diverse plant selection that we can deal with. When you go into the southern states down below, they the heat and humidity, really, they can't do a lot of things. They can't do lilacs. You know, Rosa Rugosa doesn't do as well for them. You know, a lot of plants that thrive in our conditions as far as being cooler, not as much humidity, um, you know, our, our types of soils, our diversity in soils, we're quite fortunate. Now, of course, when we take a trip to the tropics or we take a trip to the southern states and we see their azaleas and their rhododendrons and some of the, you know, um, different types of plants that they can do, we are always a little jealous. But I can tell you from years of experience now, more often than not, people who visit Maine are amazed at our plants. Our plant selection, our wonderful independent garden centers, and what they carry, the diversity. I can't tell you just the customers that are from Connecticut and you know Massachusetts. They can't buy the variety down in their garden centers, like we have here in Maine. So visit an independent garden center. Visit maineigc.com for a list of great independent garden centers here in the state of Maine. And Lisa kind of was, you know, kind of telling us about how tough it is to find good garden centers. And maineigc.com really basically tells you the great garden centers. And if you're a garden center out there listening and you, you are interested in joining the independent garden centers of Maine, you know, give us a call, send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, independent garden centers are the place where you should be buying most of your plants. Now, when you go and you're at a, you know, a home improvement center and you see a nice plant there, that's, hey, you know, if you, if you see a nice plant, buy it. There's nothing wrong with that, but we're here to help. We're here to answer any questions. If you have a question and need an answer of a problem or something going on or a suggestion in your garden, don't hesitate to call the show, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. That's 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Fall is the time to plant. Fall is also the time to decorate. So pumpkins and corn stalks and all of that fun jazz will be coming in in the next week or two. Um, we'll be ordering them next week. Hopefully they're going to be coming in quite quickly. From my understanding, the crop is a little bit late. Um, so, you know, things may be lagging a little bit. I know some of you folks have been starting to call looking for some of those things. Obviously, after Labor Day weekend, everybody starts thinking fall and decorating for fall. And fall is for decorating. Now, I wanted to give you kind of a couple things that I think you could use in your decorating that's kind of outside of the box. So you've got some nice big containers 
why not take some shrubs and put them in the containers? You can use them through the mid to late October season and then take them and plant them in the ground. So you get a dual process. You get two uses out of them. Plan for where you're going to put them in the yard. But, you know, there's nothing better than a big ornamental grass in a pot. And then you take it and you plant it out in the yard. And it'll be give you glory for years and years and years. But you can use a perennial grass for decorating. It will give you some height. It will give you a look of a cornstalk, but it's something living. It's something you can reuse. It's something you can continually add to your garden. Also, you know, maybe it's a time when you might want to switch out your hanging baskets. You know, we've talked about this time and time again. It's getting pretty late for you to transplant those hanging baskets you have that don't look good into a container and make them look good. So you're right on that cusp of, you know, take those annual containers, plant them, divide them, put them out into the yard, um, you know, reuse them if you can. If not, come on in. We've got a whole selection of fall hanging baskets at great prices right now that you can freshen up. If you've got people coming over for the holiday weekend here for a cookout, you might want to freshen up. We've got great selection on patio pots. The mums are starting to bloom. Or just stop in and grab a gift. All three stores are open all weekend, you know, and you can grab a mum, grab something fall-oriented, bring it as a gift, you know, to the cookout you're going to. Everybody loves flowers, but they love flowers that live. They love flowers that they can use the rest of the fall. I love cut flowers. Bought some beautiful cut flowers for my wife this week, and, you know, they just spruce up the house this time of year. You know, I love, absolutely love sunflowers. You know, sunflowers are my favorite in the late summer, fall. I think they embody summer and fall. You know, it's a great thing to have in the garden. The birds love them. You know, you can naturally feed the birds with them. So think about adding those in throughout your garden for a late summer, fall. Um, they're also great to plant along inside with your vegetable garden. And one plant that I think is underused for fall because it it takes a ton of frost and looks great all the way up into probably, you know, sometime late October are marigolds. And we've got a fresh crop of marigolds coming on for fall and then petunias. We've got a fresh crop of petunias. We've got a bunch of petunias available right now. They do very well with frost also and cabbage and kale. Now, not all of our cabbage and kale are ready yet, but... They are the plant that I would recommend if you want something to go to Thanksgiving. Because the colder they get, the better they look. Now I'm going to give you a tip with cabbage and kale. Don't put them in too early. Because the cabbage moth is going to just wipe you out. You need to spray them with some BT or thuricide that we've talked about in the past. It's just the same thing with the broccoli, cauliflower, same product you're using on that. That little cabbage worm will come in and it will chew up the leaves. If you've got cabbage or broccoli or cauliflower in your garden right now, if you've got little round holes all over your cabbage, you've got cabbage worm. Okay, and a little bit of BT will take care of that, or thuricide is the brand name by Bonide. Um with the cabbage and kale, the later we go, once we get some frost, the cabbage moth is gone. And we're taking care of them. The crop is, we typically schedule a little bit late. We want it to be ready about the first couple weeks of September. 
So we're still a little bit early. We have some small 4-inch that you can use for your window boxes and stuff. And then the other thing you can add into your containers for late season are some of those little ornamental gourds and pumpkins and some of those things. So you can, instead of your window boxes being completely plants, use some cabbage and kale, use a little bit of straw, use the tops of some corn stalks or grasses, add some pumpkins in or gourds, and you've got a beautiful little, you know, collection of material that looks great, be very low maintenance, take very little water. And if you want to do no plants in there, cut all your annuals off, okay? Just later on in the season, take and leave the soil in there that's all root-bound. Take the plants and cut them off, all those annuals. Put a bed of straw and then place pumpkins, gourds, ornamental squash, all of that with a little bit of corn stalk sticking through, and you've got a, a, a window box that will go well into Thanksgiving and be a beautiful look. And I like using the ornamental squash because, or or just the squash you, you eat, if you've got some in your garden and you've got to harvest them, use them in some of the decorating. And if you don't have something for dinner, you walk out to the porch and you grab the squash and you cook it. So as you get to Thanksgiving, you know, obviously you've kind of, you know, used up most of your squash, and so it's a dual effect. So if you grow squash in your garden, use them for decorating. Just be careful as you get later on in the season, you don't want them to freeze and thaw. That will ruin the squash. But early on in September, you know, you can use those as ornamentals also. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. 
Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks. I'm Tom Estbrook, your host. And wow, it's a little bit little bit overcast out there, but, you know, a lot of blue sky coming through. Looks like it's going to be a great gardening weekend. Like I was talking earlier in the show, you know, yesterday, people were just coming into the garden center having a blast. You know, really great mix of plants they were buying, you know, everything from trees and shrubs to perennials. And the mum sales have really started to pick up. People are starting to, you know, get into that fall feel. It's Labor Day weekend. It's the end of summer is what we kind of you know, earmark this weekend. Uh, personally, September to me is the best month of the year. Um, it's a really great time to garden. It's a great time to get out and enjoy things. The apple orchards are really in full swing now, you know, so this weekend you might visit an apple orchard. Uh, one of my favorites, McDougal orchards are, they're great people down there. Um, you know, they've got a wonderful operation down there. The oldest pick your own orchard in the state. You might take a look at them. Uh, great, great, great people down there. And I've been, I'm a friend of theirs on Facebook, and just the variety of apples available at this time of year, and peaches, and all kinds of fruits. Um, and Jack makes some wonderful cider donuts. Great, great treat, you know, for a fall day. You know, there's nothing better than a cider donut. I know donuts aren't healthy, but you know sometimes you just gotta you know enjoy yourself when you're going to an apple. You're picking apples here, you know. You're gonna have all kinds of wonderful apples. You know you can make pies and oh, I love apple pie. It's my favorite. So you know get out there and enjoy. Uh, you know fall before too long. You're gonna have the corn mazes that'll be open. You'll have all the fall agriculture stuff going on. Pick your own pumpkins. You know, all of that stuff. You know, visit a local farm. They've, they're harvesting a ton of things right now. And I've been watching, you know, the, the uh, farmer's markets. The farmer's markets are full of material right now. Wonderful cut flowers. Absolutely fabulous, you know, vegetables and fruits. And now's the time to enjoy all of these things. You know, my vegetable garden is giving me a bounty of stuff right now. The lettuce is amazing. The peppers have come on. The tomatoes look great. You know, the cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower are sizing up nicely for a late harvest. My cucumbers are slow, very slow. My zucchini and summer squash are just coming on beautifully, starting to give me a lot of fruit. Um, you know, really, really, absolutely, you know, starting to bound with growth. But like I said, the weeds are getting a little ahead of me. So this weekend, we got to spend a little time in the garden weeding. My perennial beds and around my trees and everything are clean. I've done a great job of getting those back in shape. I'm going to do be, be doing some uh, fall mulching here and some fall tree planting um, in the next week. I'm going to be putting in a couple more apple trees. I'm going to be putting in a, a, a Nissa wildfire or a Tupelo tree. Um, I'm looking at maybe adding a magnolia. So now's a great time to think about planting some of your spring blooming things too. We've got a fresh crop of forsythia that have just, just come in. We've got some new lilacs that have just come in. Okay, so if you add those now, you're going to have the benefit next spring of having all these things that are going to be blooming and looking great, and you'll be ahead of the schedule. So adding in some of those hedges that you might want for privacy. 
You know, we've got some privet in stock. We've got a whole host of different things. But we've got a couple questions here. Um, question from Matt. Tom, you talked about soil perfector in the past shows. I purchased some at your Yarmouth location and worked it into my garden. What a difference. I just wanted to tell you how unbelievable soil perfector has worked. I have clay soils in my garden. Can I put too much soil perfector in and it will actually impede what I'm doing in the garden? Well, it's a great question. Soil Perfector, we've talked about this a couple times in past shows. If you don't know what Soil Perfector is, it's a ceramic product made by a spoma. And it naturally breaks up clay forever. Now, what in the past we've used green sand and some other products. Gypsum can be another one. But what ends up happening is you have to reapply that and rework that into the soil. Now, Soil Perfector is a product in which it's made from ceramic, and it's an odd shape. It won't cut your hands or anything like that, so you can still work into the soil. But what it does is it improves porosity throughout the soil. So the water works down through. There's airspace for roots to grow. Can you use too much? I think moderation is always a good thing in anything we do. So one bag will cover a 10 by 10 area or 100 square feet. My suggestion is if your plants are growing really well, then you probably don't need to add any more. If you have extreme clay and you continue are having problems and you don't seem like you're getting good root systems on the plants, then maybe you need to add another bag. But you will know, the plants will tell you when the soil is working at its best. Now, obviously, if you need more organic matter or you need other things in the, in the soil in order to you know, make it better, we may need to add other things on top of the soil perfectors. So you know, my suggestion is the plants are doing well. I don't know as you need to add any more, but I wouldn't go overboard. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. You know, It's the same thing with adding too much compost to your soil it can actually create problems with your plants. So adding new compost every year and you know adding more nutrients and organic matter isn't always a better thing. Sometimes we reach that capacity and the soil's just fine and we can run a few years and not add some some organic matter. So same thing. I think with the with the soil perfector, you know, if you have poor soils, add some, see how it goes. If, if the soil doesn't seem like it's as good as you want it, maybe add a little bit more, maybe add some organic matter with it, you know, and, and you'll build really great soil over time. The last thing about Soil Perfector that works extremely well, and as we're going into fall, we want to use a bunch of this, is it works great with bulbs. All your fall bulbs that you're planting now, if you have moles and vole problems, you want to mix Soil Perfector into the soil underneath and with the soil that comes out of the hole and mix that in. And the reason being is moles and voles will not go through this soil perfector. It cuts their nose. It makes them burrow around the clumps of, of uh, plants. So if you have problems with moles and voles on planting perennials, um, you have problems in your garden, if you mix that in, even if your soil is good, what will end up happening is you will eradicate the mole and vole problem in your beds. So if you're building new beds and you have a lot of mole and vole problems out in your lawn, 
Mix that into your bed, and what will happen is the moles and voles will stay out in the lawn. They'll stay out of the bed where you make your investment into expensive plants and all of the things that you put into your garden. You will alleviate that problem. No more use for all of those castor oil products, um, you know, the sonic spikes, all of those things. We can kind of take them right out with a nice natural, you know, thing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen, but what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And on this Labor Day weekend, just a fabulous weekend, you know, for gardening. Going to be a little bit of rain maybe, but that's okay. Our plants need it. If I was you, I'd get out, grab that hose, and get out and water. Get out and water those plants. I can't stress it enough. We've had a lot of people calling with problems on their plants that they've planted, not only this year, but over the past couple of years, being too dry, showing signs of stress, uh, yellowing leaves, dropping leaves. Uh, it, we're really, no one's willing to say it, but I'm going to say it. This is a drought condition, folks. We are dry. Now, that shouldn't stop you from planting, but I want to give you a couple tips when you go to plant that I think are, are very important for fall planting especially in this dry condition. So you go ahead and you dig your hole for whatever plant it is you're going to put in. Tree, shrub, roses, perennial, mums, whatever it is. Dig the hole and then fill the hole with water before you plant. I'm going to say that again. Fill the hole with water before you plant. And the reason I say that is it's very tough to get water down below the plant once we've planted you have to put gallons and gallons and gallons of water. So you're going to basically make the hole the appropriate size. You're going to fill that hole completely with water. It will walk away, dig another hole, whatever. Fill those holes up a couple times and let them saturate down below the root system that you're going to plant. Then backfill the plant halfway and fill the hole again. 
and then finish filling the hole with your good soil that you've mixed with compost, um, you know, espoma, biotone, root stimulator, all of that stuff, and then water again. So you're going to water three, four, five times on that plant as you're planting it. Now, you may think that's overkill, but by getting the water down below, what happens is the roots continue to feed and go down to that water, okay? And what will happen is you're going to be surface watering these plants, and you're going to be adding new, new water every other day. You're going to be watering all the way until the ground freezes, basically. But having that insurance of the water down below will make the root system search for that water down below. So as the water starts to dry out in the, in the bottom of the hole, the roots are going to go down deep. And that's all we really want for fall. We don't care about putting on new top growth at this point in the season. We could care less if our plants are growing or blooming or whatnot. All we care about for fall planting is good fall color because if you have good fall color, it means the plants aren't stressed, and number two, that they root. So the last thing we're going to kind of talk about today is fall fertilization. Okay, and when I say fall fertilization, it is a dormant feed. I am not recommending we feed in the month of September and probably most of October. If we do fertilize too early, we always have an Indian summer, meaning it's going to warm up for about 10 days. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to seem like early September or late August. It's going to be wonderful weather like we're having. The plants are going to try to activate. And the worst thing with fertilizers are warm weather coupled with moisture. It makes our plants say, hey, it's spring. Let's grow. It makes them decide they're going to put on that last bit of growth. And when we put on extra growth in the fall, mostly on trees and shrubs, you get the potential for tip dieback. So at this point, I want you to stop fertilizing anything that regrows in the spring, meaning any trees, shrubs, perennials, ground covers, roses. We're going to stop fertilizing at this point. We can do a dormant feed, and that's going to be late October, early November. As the ground starts to freeze, that's when we're going to feed. At that point, Mother Nature is going only colder. We're not going to really warm up. The ground isn't going to ever get warm enough for the fertilizer to acclimate and actually start to activate. But what it's going to happen is it's going to be sitting there for when Mother Nature starts to thaw. It's going to feed the root systems nice and slow. It's going to bring them out of dormancy with our weather. It's going to be available to them first thing in the spring, even as the snow starts to melt and the ground starts to thaw. Before we can get in, it's going to start to feed those roots. And feeding the roots, the better the root system, the better the plant. The more flowers you get, all of the things that kind of go along with plants coming out of dormancy here in the state of Maine. The great thing about spring here in Maine is we come out slow and steady. Other parts of the world and the United States come out very quick and they get a lot less flowers and they don't do as well as we do on some of our plants. That slow, steady warm-up really makes plants thrive here in Maine in, in the spring. Our bloom time is a lot longer than other parts in the, in the United States. You know, you see those forsythia, they could be in bloom for four to six weeks. The only thing that trumps us is frost, that infamous frost. You got to watch out for those frosts. You know, in the spring, that can be the thing that hurts us.
but fall is the best time to plant. It's the time I do most all of my gardening. Number one, I have time to do it. But number two, I'm always worried about roots. The better the roots, the better the plant. So why should you go ahead and plant this fall? Number one, your building root system, which is going to give you a whole, a much more sturdy plant for next year. But what I want to say is if you're planting basically in September and October, come spring, if you want those plants to really thrive, you need to treat them next year like you planted them in the spring, meaning you're going to water all fall. And then next year, once we get probably to about May 1st, you're going to start regularly watering them a couple times a week. You're going to fertilize them once a month. That is going to ensure that that plant is really going to take hold and do well. More often than not, people plant in the fall. They feel like the plant roots enough in the fall and early spring, and then they forget about it in summer. And that's where we're getting a lot of the phone calls at the garden center right now, is a lot of people planted stuff late last fall because we had a wonderful fall last year. Really great, great growing conditions, held on late, nice Indian summer, a lot of wonderful plants went in the ground. But when it came to July and August this year, they started to suffer because they didn't have enough root system to sustain like a plant that's been there for 20 years. Now, even those 20-year-old plants are starting to struggle now. So I hope Mother Nature does give us some rain. But unless we get an inch of rain, it doesn't matter. It'll green up the lawns. It'll make things look really good around the yard. But still, get out there and water. Give them some extra love. Um, It's going to make a big, big difference. So we're wrapping up another week here at at the show. So I wanted to go over a couple things. August bargain days at Estabrooks are ending. So there are some deals out there. Uh, Check out our newsletter because it does state what sales are ending this weekend. Okay. So, you know, check that out on our website, estherbrooksonline.com. Great time to start thinking about overseeding your lawn. Taking some grass seed and just putting it over the existing lawn. You probably have a bunch of crabgrass going on right now. You know, mow that lawn down. We're going to get some nice rain, hopefully. Or you're going to get out there and water water, I can't stress it enough, water, overseed that lawn, you know, start getting that grass activated. Now with the cooler temperatures, you know, you can rebound that grass. Think about fertilizing your lawn again. The summer revitalization by Espoma, it's an organic fertilizer I would recommend at this time of year. Houseplants. Think about retransplanting your houseplants, doing a little bit of insect control because the window's been open all season. We've talked about that in past shows. Liming your lawn would be another one. Liming that lawn. If you got any moss in the lawn, put some lime down. Bed prep, you know, get that vegetable garden. Like we talked earlier in the show, get that all ready for next year. Cover crop that vegetable garden. Fill in some of those holes with the annuals and your mums and, and all of those things. You know, start that fall transition to decorating. And more than anything, put some extra starter starter um, fertilizer on your plants that you're transplanting this fall. That biotone we've talked about from Espoma works wonderful. Great thing. Rock phosphate's another one. Or a liquid plant starter. Whenever you're transplanting, make sure and add some starter fertilizer, some plant transplant fertilizer, okay? This time of year, it's all about building roots. 
Great Roots makes great flowers next year. Okay. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Get out there and enjoy not only your garden, but some family and friends. Go to a cookout. Maybe take a walk on the pier in Old Orchard. Get some pear fries. Oh, that sounds good. Get out there and enjoy your garden. We're going to have a wonderful weekend. Uh, visit us at the Garden Centers. We're open all weekend. Uh, or visit us at estabrooksonline.com. If you want to submit questions, visit our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. For future shows, we will be taping some shows as I'm taking some more time off here in the next few weeks. And we're going to have some great guests coming up. Get out there. Enjoy your weekend. It's going to be beautiful. And enjoy your family and friends. See you next Saturday.